In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. So this past week, um, I read an article in New York Magazine. The title, The Return of FOMO. Do you all know what FOMO is, right? It's the fear of missing out. Does anyone struggle with FOMO, just out of curiosity? All right, a couple of us struggle with FOMO. Well, if you've been outside here in New York City the past couple weekends, like it almost feels like quote unquote normal. So we were out for dinner on Friday night and it was hopping. Like the restaurants were packed. People were wearing heels, like high heels, things that we have not seen since pre-pandemic. And that is um, something that is a little kind of off-putting and awkward, both being drawn to be out with people and also feeling like this is kind of strange. So the blurb under the title of The Return of FOMO said, the pandemic forced us to simplify our lives and look inward. Now it's time to have fun again. That should be easy, right? No. What the article talks about is that there's a certain kind of fraughtness that comes with emerging from this pandemic. For the past 15 months, FOMO did not exist, really, because we were all missing out during lockdown. And yes, there are those unauthorized parties that were happening, but there was also a certain collective judgment and calling to accountability when that happened. And it was interesting hearing those with disabilities or those who struggle with social anxiety sharing about how equalizing the experience was actually with Zoom and enabling them to engage in a way that would have been difficult for them otherwise. And now it's like all bets are off. And the author writes, all over a jittery city, the excitement of re-entry is colliding with the anxiety of abundance. And one person said, I just want to be in a sensory deprivation tank. As I'm texting people asking what they're doing, I can't keep up. I don't want any more texts, but I'm texting. And he writes, FOMO has caught us with our defenses down, less sure of what we want or the certainties that supported us going into or going through the last drudging months. Do I really want to go back to the old way? Will I be able to continue all the practices I developed in the pandemic era? Does everyone want to do something I now realize I don't want to do? Do I actually want to do something that I didn't think I wanted to do? So I recently learned um, a new acronym, JOMO. It's the joy of missing out. <laughs> And, you know, I am definitely in the JOMO camp. Like, I could stay home all day, every day, and be happy as a clam. I'm curious, anybody JOMOing with me here? <laughs> yeah, so there are, there are definitely some of us, um, some of us who are really loving that. But I'm also a priest. And there's a certain kind of FOMO fraughtness that comes with being a priest, or really any vocation where you're trying to gather people together, where it's not so much about you getting out and out, out there, but rather it's about your church or whatever gathering that you are in charge of to get it back up and running because others are too. And there's a fear that if you don't, then maybe people are gonna start going somewhere else. And that comes with its own kind of anxiety. 
So in the midst of things opening up, plans being made, whether it's FOMO or JOMO or somewhere um, in that spectrum of the mix, Jesus gives us this three-word invitation, sort of a summary or my interpretation of his invitation from the Gospel of Mark. And it was the subject line of an email that I got this past week. Resist the rush. Resist the rush. Now, I'm not a farmer. I know that's probably surprising to you, but I am not a farmer. But what I've observed about farmers is that if there's any activity that by its very nature is the opposite of rushing, it's farming. It's a metaphor that Jesus always loved to use to describe what the kingdom of God is like, the reign of God, what it looks like when instead of getting sucked into FOMO and that internal and external rush and frenzy that stems from our anxiety, our own and others, that we give ourselves over to the working of God's spirit. And maybe for you, it's not reopening a church like it is for me, but what is it this morning that you feel rush about, that you feel anxious about, that if I don't do X, then why is gonna happen? And what Jesus says in our gospel reading this morning is resist the rush. This is what the kingdom of God looks like when it begins to take root in our lives and in the world. So first of all, our parables from this morning says that the kingdom of God is out of our control. So Jesus says, the kingdom of God is, is, is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground, it would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, and then the head, and then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he comes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. And there is so much that is outside of the control for a farmer. Like the farmer plants a seed, he waters it, but even if he works around the clock, day and night, he cannot force that seed to grow. He can't control whether it rains or shines or whether it hails or where there's a drought. And somewhere between that moment of sowing and reaping, there's a certain kind of surrender that has to happen in the farmer where he's surrendering his seed and he's giving it over to these mysterious processes of life that are beyond his control. It's the same with pregnancy. Like at St. Peter's, we've had seven babies born over this past year. And there's that act that leads to a fetus being formed in the womb, but no one can control what that baby's gonna look like, you know, or what might happen in gestation. And if there's anything that the pandemic has taught us, whether we like it or not, whether we've been in denial about this or not, is that we are not in control. We are not in control. And in a society where we want what we want right now, where we want things to get done right now, to let that control go and entrust ourselves to God, 
the God of seed and soil and sun and rain, the God of seasons, the God who oversees those mysterious forces of life, death, and germination and gestation, the God for whom one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like one day. That's the hardest thing for us in the world. Us people who like to be in control, it's hard for us to accept but the kingdom of God is outside of our control. Now, the second thing that Jesus says is that the kingdom of God is not what we expect. So he says, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? It's like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, which when sown upon the ground, wait, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the ground, yet when it is sown, grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Now, as we all know, Americans like things that are big, right? And I remember the first time I visited my parents in South Korea, I was struck at how tiny everything was in restaurants. Like the water glasses were really tiny. The napkins were like, like, like one sheet of like toilet paper, <laughs> the toilet paper roll, just so tiny and thin. But here in the US, you know, we've got three ply toilet paper. We've got big gulps and like all you can eat buffets. And there are studies that are done that correlate height with success. You know, you're automatically seen as being more competent. We think bigger is better. That's the mark of success. And unfortunately, the American church often interprets this the same way, that getting what you want is seen as God's favor and blessing resting on you. Like a bigger church is seen as being more successful than a smaller one. But that's not the point of this parable. It's not that the kingdom of God is always big and successful in the way that we think of bigness and success. The point of this parable is that the kingdom of God is surprising. It's unexpected. Because when you look at a tiny little mustard seed, you would not expect it to grow into the greatest of all shrubs. You expect it to be tiny. And as I was saying earlier, like rush is, is ultimately about control. I want things to look and to feel a certain way. I want this external, whatever that is, that measures what society or my parents or whoever it may be whose approval that you want, think of success and bigness. But as I long for, as we long for the kingdom of God to take root in our lives and in our world, in the same way that a parent can't control what their baby is going to look like, so we cannot control what the outcome will be. And when we get so tied to a particular kind of outcome, we miss out on the surprising and unexpected nature of how God moves and works in our world. And ironically, we can miss God. So Jesus says that the kingdom of God cannot be controlled, that the kingdom of God is not what we might expect it to be. And thirdly, that the kingdom of God is for the birds. In Genesis 1, you've got this beautiful story about creation where we see God just creating this incredible world of light and dark and sea and land and sky and just filling 
God's creation with plants and animals of every single kind, culminating in the creation of human beings and this beautiful Sabbath invitation to rest in the goodness and love of God. So yesterday I went to visit um, the Lilvis family who have moved uh, to Connecticut, and, um, which is a bummer because yeah, I, want, I want people to stay here in New York City. But as I was driving closer and closer, I was like, I could see, I could get used to this. <laughs> you know, just green and forests and just beauty all around surrounding their home and the sound of birds. And they've got this little like scope that they've set up where they've been watching a nest of little baby hawks. It's just adorable. And then they also put up these little bird houses. And like the branches of that, that mustard shrub that Jesus talks about, They've got little birds just coming to feed and to rest in these houses, like blue jays and, and finches. Well, that's what happens when the kingdom of God is present among it. As Ezekiel says in our Old Testament reading, under it, every kind of bird will live. In the shade of its branches will nest winged creatures of every kind. You know, if there's anything that this pandemic has revealed, it's that there are birds looking for a place to rest. Like this illusion has been shattered that we are in control and now that things are opening up, people can't go back to that illusion fast enough. The illusion has been shattered that we are not a racist country. I don't care what Mike Pence says. The illusion has been shattered that we are not a racist country. And people are searching. Our world is crying out. And it would be so easy to miss that in our rush back in. Even for us as a church, you know, to rush back into like the logistics of what it means to reopen. And in the meantime, to miss out on the new creation that is beckoning and calling and inviting birds of every kind, the tired birds, the lonely birds, the fearful birds, the forgotten birds, the hopeless birds, the birds who never fit in with all the other birds, you know, to come and to rest in its branches. And so what is the invitation to you this morning? As you think about that thing, that question I just asked you at the beginning, what's the thing that you're feeling that rush and anxiety about? And can you say, okay, God, this is out of my control. Okay, God, this may not be what I expected or the outcome I was tied to, but I am open to the surprising way that you want to meet me in this. And how can we say, all right, God, um, I want to be part of that new creation, be part of that beautiful plant, tree, shrub, you know, that has these beautiful branches in which birds of every kind can rest and come and meet you. And so this morning, Lord, we pray, give us grace. Give us the grace to resist the rush, to slow down with you at the pace of your kingdom, to go deep with you into the soil, into that quiet darkness, to be with you in this new creation where everything old has passed away. And God, we pray, may your love compel us so that we can live and work and be alongside you, not with anxiety and control, but with the joy and freedom that comes from the good news that Christ has died and Christ is risen 
and Christ will come again, and God is making all things new in him. Amen.